It is good when Anthony Coleman comes home, huh? Yeah, amen. Amen. And he's back home for a while, so we are grateful for that. Good morning and welcome to the table at Central United Methodist Church. My name is Linda, and along with Pastor Matt, we are co-pastors here. Pastor Matt is on vacation, um, and I'm grateful that he gets some time away. We are grateful for everyone here and those of us online. I invite you to stand in body or spirit as we move into you, Carol. When the world falls apart around me, when the rug is pulled and the house is on fire, when all I can do is swallow the cry in my throat, take me to the table. Tell me how people have fed each other. Tell me how they've torn the bread with wrinkled hands and children's hands. Tell me how they've said, this love is for you, as they look you in the eye. Then take me to the font, float my hands in the pool, let me feel weightless. Tell me to leave my burdens there. Then take me to the front doors, remind me how we throw them open. Take me to the creaky pews, pews that have held the straightened spines and silent prayers of so many. Take me to church, move me through the rituals, Tell me why it matters, so that next time, when someone else's world falls apart, I will have the muscle memory to share.
sorrows grow, no thorns infest the ground. God comes to me, God's blessings flow, far as the curse is found. Such a beautiful sound, right? <laughs> Welcome. Hmm. I love doing this. It's bringing everything like. Whew. Welcome. My name is Sarneet Prasad, and I'm the Sunday morning coordinator here at the table. We welcome those online. Nancy Allen is our host today, and thank you, Nancy, for that. Today's bulletin is available with a QR code, those in the century. Usually you can see it on the benches. There are some out, out there on the next step. You can see and use your phone. It takes you to different platform of our, on the, for the table. If you would like to learn more about, about our community of faith, please go to our website, thetableumc.org, and complete an online connect card when you feel ready to connect with others, our co-pastors lead a series called Growing in Faith, which is designed to help newcomers learn more and how we share life here at the table. Our next in-person six weeks Growing in Faith series will be held on Tuesday evening from 6 to 7.30 p.m. beginning January 30th. Learn more and sign up on our website, thetableumc.org. We are thrilled to welcome so many for candlelight Christmas Eve last week. It was such a beautiful service, just so you guys know. It was magical, and there were so many things going on, and I was like, ah, after, once it all ended, it felt so great. <laughs> Please note, our Christmas offering this year will be divided between two important ministries. Half will go to the United Methodist Community on Relief Effort to provide immediate aid to those suffering in Gaza and Israel. The other half will support opening doors in their efforts to resettle refugees here in Sacramento area. You hope, we hope you will continue giving generously to the Christmas offering. So I would like to say Happy New Year in, in advance. Um, I was thinking in that context because time is a paradox in a way where some part of the country or world, they are already celebrating New Year right now. And coming from Fiji Islands, um, 
they already did had their new year and they have been like my family and friends have been messaging me back left right and center and i'm like it's still 2023 here <laughs> give me a break <laughs> let me you know party tonight <laughs> but i just like to say happy new year to all of you um it's 2023 has been an amazing year and it it won't be complete for me at least without you guys so i love being here and love seeing people here and it's just an amazing joy so yay to 2023 and we're looking forward for 2024 so i invite you to stand in body or in spirit as we continue in worship this is our music team sharing go tell it on the mountain
Good morning, everybody. How are y'all today? Are y'all ready for New Year's Eve? Yeah. Me too. All right, kids. Uh, so first off, my name is Lisa. Wexley, my name's Bob. And that's Bob. That's the, it's the Lisa and Bob show today. <laughs> uh, and so uh, good morning. And so if you're a small person, if you're a kid, it's time. It's that time to stand up. And we're going to tap our toes, and the band is going to play some music, and they're going to help you walk on out, hop on out, skip on out to godly play. So for just a moment, we do want to thank those families who support godly play. I don't know if you know, but the gift that they give goes to our Mustard Seed School, which is a Montessori-based preschool that helps those children who are whose families are unhoused. Can you imagine how special it is for an unhoused child to have stable education? We're really setting them up for success. So thank you to those families. Um, it is New Year's Eve, right, Bob? Yep, New yep, Year's yep, Eve. Yep. And um, my husband reminded me just the other day, he said, you know what, show me all the photos that you had from during the year, and we're gonna put them up on the TV. And I think sometimes when it's in the new year, we're so focused on 2024 and what's going to happen and, and what we're going to do and, and our goals and things like that. But I invite you to take a moment to look at your phone or your pictures from last year and be thankful for all those moments, those good moments and sometimes those sad moments, that, that, the messiness that Pastor Linda and Matt tell us about, but that you made it through and you made it through with the family. So I invite you to celebrate the 2023s, all the good parts of it, and well, not so good parts of it. Amen. Amen. So, um, yes, yeah, so today's reading is Luke um, 2, um, and, and Bob's going to tell you more. I think you hear me joke all the time about, I wish my voice was like Bob, because I have a really <laughs> small voice. So instead of me trying to be Bob, I'm just giving you Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I like this little note, Lisa. Eyes up, shoulders back. That's fine. Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> it's perfect. Jeez. So this is Luke, second chapter. After eight days had passed, it was time to circumcise the child, and he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. When the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what was customary, under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared 
in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that we will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul as well. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage, and then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped there with fasting and prayer, night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Yeah, there's a note here. <clears throat> it's my note. And um, it's like this. It's very old because I have issues. So it's really my mother's note. <laughs> and it's, there's a third word on it that Bob um, nicely didn't share, <clears throat> which is mouth, which is be aware of your mouth and the things that fall out of it very unthinkingly, Linda Susan. And then it says, eyes up, because I look down, and shoulders back, because I have issues with, you know, not standing up straight. So every Sunday, I hear my mother. <laughs> and uh, it's helpful, actually. It's really, really helpful. Mm, let's pause for prayer. Loving God, for all of the voices that have brought us to this place, for the hearts and the spirits, and for God's alluring love, may we fall into it this day and every day. Amen. There is an author, I couldn't get a picture of her, but her name's uh, Dr. Molly Farnes. And she's a professor of religion at uh, Haverford College. She wrote a book on uh, ritual. And she sees in American life a yearning for ritual. She says that shared routines that are meaningful, that's what rituals are. And those shared routines are significant. And they have the power to create, sustain, and transform social and political worlds. So we, uh, Sarnit said, we were so grateful for people coming to Christmas Eve worship um, here at the table. And the attendance on Christmas Eve at 5 p.m. supports Dr. Farnes' premise because we had 262 people here. Yeah, it was amazing. And somehow an extra pew showed up from the hallway and chairs and um, just to give you an idea, the little uh, piece of paper over the door from the fire department says you're only allowed to have 273. So we just scooted right in there. 
It was a beautiful gathering of all ages and stages of life. Online, we recorded 111 households as well. And in Davis, at our very first try, we've never done anything like this at a Traveler's Christmas Eve for those going out of town ahead of the weekend. We had 78 folks that showed up. Rooting our lives in grace through the retelling of the birth of God into this weary world is a ritual that brings people together for collective action. And I believe our numbers reflect that longing We sing hymns, we give generously, we pray together, we light candles, and we witness to the love of God born in a wordless child. And this morning, the story continues. We just heard from Bob the last scene in Luke's story of the birth of Jesus. It begins eight days later. Mary and Joseph are bringing the baby to the temple where he will be named and circumcised. It's a ritual that marks... Uh, Jesus as Jewish. Sorry, I'm having a major hot flash here. So I'm even going to take this off. (laughs) I know Matt's watching me. I'm fine. I'm fine, really. I'm fine. (laughs) So back, maybe it's the whole circumcision and naming thing. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That's a very stressful time in my life, right? Oh, and I had two sons. It was horrible. It was horrible. Uh, Anyway, this whole naming ritual and the circumcision reflects, really, it's there for a reason. It reflects the covenant relationship of God, which was first established all the way back with Abraham and then with the descendants of Abraham to be the people of Israel. So having this in scripture locates Jesus firmly within the people with whom God has kept covenant with for hundreds of years. The name Jesus is given. In that name, Jesus means God saves. Then, 40 days after his birth, Jesus' parents take him to the temple in Jerusalem. That's written out in Leviticus 12, where it's... um, the instructions for a woman who has given birth, that after 40 days she's to come to the temple with a sacrifice. And those who could not afford to bring a lamb could bring two turtle doves or pigeons, as Mary and Joseph do, which locates them at a poverty subsistence level. Mary and Joseph are faithful Jews who are careful to do everything in their power that the law requires. And just as a side note, um, in Luke 2.23, it explains that the firstborn male is set aside as holy. And that comes out of our Hebrew scriptures from Exodus 13. Um, God delivered Israel, right, from the Pharaoh after the death of all the Egyptian firstborn males. We remember that story, I hope. But God spared the Israelite firstborns. And if you don't remember it, that's okay, too, by the way. With doorposts that were covered by the lamb's blood. And the story is remembered in the sacrifice that Jewish parents made on behalf of their firstborn male children. So Jesus, like other firstborn males of his day, is set apart for God as part of the specific relationship that God solidified through God's deliverance of Israel from enslavement. This firstborn with the name Jesus 
which means God saves, as I said, opens up a new chapter in the relationship between the God who delivers and all of God's people, both Jews and Gentiles. And with this all as the backdrop, the stars of our week today, Simeon and Anna, enter the story. So they're not married, right? They're just two adults. Um, they're described by Luke in ways that lift up their righteous and devout living. Um, I, they are spiritually connected to the temple, and so day in and day out, that's all they do. They attend to the rituals of daily temple life. First, we have Simeon. He's been given special insight by the Holy Spirit along with the promise that before he dies, he will be allowed to see the one from whom God has chosen to rescue the world. Anna confirms the salvation message of Simeon by giving thanks to God and speaking about this child to all those who were looking for the redemption of Israel, excuse me, Jerusalem. In this way, Luke's Christmas story features a baby, his parents, and also shines a very bright light on the wise elders of the community. Luke presents an endearing set of encounters as the text focuses on Simeon and his devotion. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So just think of that, a sense of hope and promise that he has held on to for years or even decades is now becoming a reality. Luke notes that Simeon is guided by the Spirit in his encounter with Jesus and his parents, echoing Isaiah. Simeon offers this prayer. Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. In other words, everyone. And right then is when the prophetess Anna enters the scene. She's 84 years old. Her spontaneous praise over the Christ child declares hope to those looking for the redemption of Israel. Imagine the many decades Simeon and Anna have been waiting on God, faithfully going through their Jewish prayers, attending to the spiritual practices of righteous people in their day, all of the rituals of religious life. Imagine the spiritual and emotional toll, too. Like Lisa was saying, when you look back at your year, imagine the toll on Mary and Joseph over the previous 12 months. They are given a divine mission to complete in their human flesh before they appear to be ready. It was a surprise. These two new parents are within the first 40 days of their baby's life. Those are the most exhausting days. They have journeyed from Nazareth to Jerusalem to Bethlehem back to Jerusalem during this time of emotional and physical exhaustion. I just can't even imagine it. After many sleepless and very uncomfortable nights, they meet two elders at the temple. 
And these elders have been waiting for a lifetime to see the Messiah, and it appears that Mary and Joseph have brought him to the temple and right into their arms, for they have brought him, and for them it's only a next step. It's only a next step for Joseph and Mary. From Jesus' birth rituals of circumcision and naming is the next step in a journey of unanswered questions for first-time parents. They know that they have a long way to go in their responsibility to fulfill the divine promise of parenthood that they have made to God and God has gifted to them. So how might rituals bring meaning to our lives when our futures are deeply uncertain? Can new rituals help us as well make meaning of confusing and ambiguous, daunting, or even difficult chapters in our lives? What are the unexpected blessings that come to us from ritual acts? And how does ritual connect us more deeply to our communities? While joy may not be the overwhelming emotion within this particular story you've heard of Anna and Simeon, Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus, it is possible that joy is sown in the meaningful ways they chose to mark and celebrate lives. One of the rituals among others here at the table are our weekly gatherings in small groups and we call them kitchen tables. Each week, around 143 people gather and listen to one another answer the same questions. We all answer the same questions. How is it with your soul? How are you doing good? Where have you done harm? And how are you staying in love with God? These simple questions asked week in and week out are the ritual that we follow. We also listen to one another and do not cross-talk. We close each week by saying our name in my kitchen table. We close each week by saying our name around the circle. And each person's sharing is sacred and confidential. And from personal experience, I can say that this ritual helps me make meaning of confusing, ambiguous, daunting, and difficult chapters in my life. Hello, pandemic. And we met every week. And more specifically, chapters for me that include my marriage, my parenting of adult children, new grandparenting, aging parents, professional challenges, and of course, breast cancer an unexpected blessing that has come to me from our ritual of kitchen table is the connectedness I feel with those I share life with, like, in that way. It's akin to friendship, but much deeper, actually. There's a phrase, anamkara, which means soul friend. It's a blessing in a weary world to have anamkara, where the message of the world is so often, everything's terrible, trust no one, it's all corrupt. Bullcrap, it isn't. It's not true. People actually love each other every single week and come and show up and sit in a little circle. Trust is really possible if you're 
courageous enough to share your stuff. It is not all corrupt. It isn't. My kitchen table brings me great joy. Reverend Cecilia Armstrong, who's written a lot for our series over this Advent Christmas season, writes that ritual is an act infused with meaning. Ritual is not always easy. Ritual is not always pleasant. In fact, ritual can be weary. Yet the result of ritual usually produces something memorable, something relaxing, or something pleasant. If ritual is weary, there must be anticipated joy to follow. So let's just imagine for a minute a seed, a seed that gets planted. Ritualistically, it's planted in soil. For the seed, soil could be a weary place. The word of God buried in us sometimes causes us to be in a weary place. The message from Simeon to Mary about Jesus might have come across as a weary message. Your child is the Messiah. Think about that. Being readied for growth is often silent, unseen, inner work. Next, the planted seed must receive nurture to burst through the dirt, the soil, pursuing the opportunity to bloom. The word of God buried in us may need to be nurtured, maybe by a kitchen table, so that we can bloom. Mary and Joseph followed the ritual of their culture and tradition, and in doing so, were granted lessons on how to parent Jesus. It takes a village. Finally, a planted seed will eventually bloom. The word of God buried in us will find ways to bloom in our words, in our actions and choices, in our deeds. Anna's presence, praise to God, and proclamation of Jesus' acts of redemption for Jerusalem are all blooms from his miraculous birth. There is joy in the realization of things that we have done or said or ways that we have been in relationship that we have longed for and worked hard to realize. With a doubt, a doubt, knowing that there is hope for this weariness of life is necessary to keep on keeping on. It is never the end. So as you consider your own life here on this cusp of the world's new year, how do you use rituals to bloom for God? Mary and Joseph, like many others, could have made the decision to ignore the rituals of their faith because it just felt too hard. Are you kidding? Get me up on a donkey again? No, thank you. I mean, hard. Kitchen tables, 90 minutes a week, same day, every week. That is just too much. Simeon and Anna, like many others, could have been making a decision to stop waiting because the choice to wait for the coming of the Messiah, I'm in my 80s. I've waited long enough on God, right? 
Maybe they would have preferred to be out and about in a world which afforded them different freedoms. But that is not our story. It is not our story. There's a spiritual director who I follow, Loretta Ross. Couldn't get a picture of her either. It was too tiny. She's a retired pastor. She writes this. The church commences, <clears throat> commences at the manger, a scene fraught with human messiness and hardly engaging at first glance. Yet this is the dawn of the church, transcendence indwelling the most ordinary of human events, a birth. A love-struck God going to great ends to get in on life with us in the most intimate of ways possible. A family driven to a shabby stable by the demand of emerging life. A newborn's wail, mystery in the night sky, wise people looking beyond their wealth, power, and knowledge for something more. Simeon and Anna in their old age, jumping with joy. Every one of them struck by wonder, knocked to their knees by holiness that takes their breath away. Transcendent power breaks into our rituals with audacious vulnerability. Needing shelter, human love, nurture and reverence, and miracle of miracles through revealing its need of us. We are the ones that get transformed. How does that work? I'm really grateful for the numbers of persons who attended Christmas Eve worship early before they traveled. Those who attended on Christmas Eve in person and online. But what I'm really grateful for in that is that there is a confirmation. And it works for me, and maybe it's working for you now, that yearning for rituals, shared routines that are meaningful and significant and that have the power to create, sustain, and transform social and political worlds is real. And what I hope we can say for God, to God, is we are here for it. Let's say amen. Amen. Mm. Church family. Our faith is decorated with rituals and rhythms that help tie us, tether us to God. One of those rituals is confession. And maybe you're starting to notice that each week we gather in this space and tell, at least we try to, tell the truth about our lives. And each week God hears our prayers and offers us grace. This holy dance of confession and mercy is one of the many rituals that I personally can't live without. Maybe it is becoming that way for you too, little by little. I invite you to stand as you are willing and able to let us embrace together this holy of traditions. Let's pray. God of rhythms, we confess our faith would not be what it is without rituals. 
Unlike you, we depend on bread and water. We have to return to this space again and again to hear old familiar stories. For if we stopped, we know it would not take long before we lost our way. Forgive us for our fragility and thank you for giving us ordinary rituals and rhythms to hold on to. With grateful and humble hearts we pray. It's not enough, I don't really think, to hear once a month or once a year that you are a forgiven child of God. We need to hear it every week. It's not bad to hear it every day as well. Every day we need to be reminded that we are held in God's loving embrace. So hear this good news. No matter where you are on your journey of faith, of life, of love, no matter what you have done or left undone, especially you Enneagram ones out there, no matter what you've left undone, you belong to God. You are claimed, you are known, you are forgiven. This is the good news of the gospel. Let's say amen. 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 Mm. And I would like to introduce to us this ancient ritual of passing the peace one to another, this ancient of rituals in which people recognized the love of God in each other. May the peace of Christ be with you. Turn and greet your neighbor in that same way briefly as we move into worship. God the painter, God the creator, touched the swirling mass. And God's hand separated the earth from water and water from the sky. God touched the earth and plants turned green and fruit grew ripe. And to celebrate, God threw holy fireworks into the sky, placing the stars in the heavens. And God touched the oceans and rivers and ponds and all kinds of swimming beings made waves in the water. And God reached into the sky and all kinds of things with wings took flight. And God said, this is good. And when everything else was done, gone, done, God took clay and formed an image of God's own self and breathed into it God's own breath and said, you are the one I've been imagining. You and everything you see around you is my beloved creation and all of it is good. But it wasn't good for long because God's people could not be faithful, could not continue and be in the rituals of their 
society despite God's generosity and gifts of ritual. So God reached inside God's own heart and pulled out truth and compassion and justice and put them inside a form people might recognize, a holy human being named Jesus, God saves. And God set Jesus on earth to remind all of us that God has made us to be joyful. And if we abide in God's love, Jesus will abide in God's unfolding grace. tell us how much God loves us and show us how to love each other but we couldn't accept that and we couldn't agree about it and we were afraid the principalities and powers which lure us against the way made known in the life ministry and love of Jesus prevailed in the end Jesus was given away by the very ones who thought they loved him best because the challenge was too much but before he was taken Jesus gathered his friends around a table and promised them and promises us that he would never leave us alone, but will come back and take us home with him. And like those long ago friends, we don't always understand the message Jesus brings to us or what is coming and going and coming again means to us, but we can be grateful and we can sing the mystery that is our faith. When Jesus gathered his friends together, he took the simple food that was their Passover meal, the bread and the cup, and he blessed them both, and he gave thanks to God and said, I'm sharing this meal with you now so that you can share it together. Whenever you do, remember me. into prayer with the words that Jesus shared with those around him so long ago. They have been passed through the generations. The church named them the Lord's Prayer, and I invite you to address God in the name that is dearest to your heart. Let us pray. Our Mother, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Pour out your spirit on all of us gathered in many places, God. Pour out your spirit on these gifts that are before us and make these gifts the body and the love of Christ and make all of us through them Christ's body alive in the world. Let's say amen. You may be seated. All are welcome to the table of God's love. And when we say all, we mean everyone. We want everyone to know that here in this sanctuary, we will have stations at the front and in the back for you for this meal. On the platter is bread, and then um, there is a smaller dish with crackers that don't have gluten. And in the cups is always grape juice. For those of us who are gathering online, please bring close to you whatever it is that you have chosen as sacred to commune with this morning, your bread and your juice. We know that every week there are people here for the very first time. Some are willing to try this, others are not sure. That is so okay to sit and watch and, and listen to your own self and listen for God to know when you feel ready. For others of us, this is a life practice, and so we commend this to you. Mm. In all of it, we move around the sanctuary, watch over each other in love. You guys can go ahead and take the place. And there's nothing you can do to mess up, okay? There's not a mistake that hasn't, that has been made that is really a mistake. It's all of us learning and doing God's dance together. The other thing I just want to call your attention to is over these weeks, we have been um, pouring, outpouring our paint, which is uh, symbolically outpouring ourselves throughout this weary season of Advent. And the result is here now an altar cloth. And next to the altar cloth, just to prove the point of you can't make mistakes, is a beautiful drip cloth where we missed the palette, right? And it's just as beautiful. Mm. So I commend it to you before, during, or after worship as a place of prayer or the candles all around us. This is the body of Christ, the bread of life, broken for all of us. This is the cup of God's love poured out for me, for you, for all of creation. Thanks be to God. Let's say amen.
for those of us who are praying at candles, please stay there as long as you are feeling called. Loving God, we give you thanks for this holiest of mysteries, this ritual through which you reveal yourself to all of creation. May your peace make us one and call us to love one another in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our hope. Amen. Amen. In addition to responding to God's love by coming to the table, we invite you to respond to God's love by giving generously in support of our ministries here at the table. If you have not made your deep commitment, it is not too late. We've received quite a few this week, and I'm grateful to say to you that they have been added to the list because we're going off with our musicians next week, in a week, right? In a week. Um, where we will do a songwriting retreat and pray over those deep commitments of the ways that they will shape worship for this coming year. So I'm excited to really sit with them and pray with them. Your giving makes our ministries here possible, as Sarnit uh, shared with you. If you give uh, according to Christmas Eve, if you write that or in the drop-down menu, we are sharing that half with United Methodist Committee on Relief's efforts, uh, direct efforts in Gaza and in Israel, and the other half with Opening Doors, which is our local one of our local uh, agencies, which works with those who are refugees in our community. So thank you for practicing your faith by sharing generously. I invite you to stand in body or spirit as our music team sends us out, this is a great, really great song. I think of it as a reminder. This is not the end.
beloved friends, we leave this place finishing this ritual for this day. And we do so and then go into God's weary world. So may we remember to speak tenderly to one another, to do the good that is ours to do, to choose relationship and connection. Hold on to hope, yeah? Yes, and remember that Christ took on flesh for this world. We are all God's beloved, so go rejoicing. The world sorely needs it. Amen. And you know.